Chronic Media Consumption Podcast. My name is Kelly. And I'm Michelle. Today we're going to be talking about things that are in a different genre. We're going to steer away from movies today and actually start talking about a different form of media, books. Absolutely. I think it's good because we kind of get in a little comfortable rut talking about TV shows, movies, you know, those are something super easy for us to chat about, but we mm-hmm. also, we like this other stuff. So we're going to switch yeah. it up um, see if we can get a broader audience. <laughs> and-, and I mean, that is the reason why we call this chronic media consumption and not chronic movie consumption, because mm-hmm. we are talking about all kinds of media. So here we go into books. I think today we are talking about the three authors that influenced our our tastes, I think, the most, right? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the closest we got to, to what it is, the, the books that we look back on and really see the impact they had on us in so many different ways. I definitely have my top three. And I'm really interested to learn more about ones that really shaped you because I think that I haven't really read many of the books that you talk about. And I don't think you've read most of the ones I've talked about. So yeah, for sure. It's all going to be new. <laughs> yeah. We, like we have, as far as books are concerned, we have wildly different tastes. I think, I think I'm more into like pop fiction, if that makes sense. I mean, I don't really know. Cause you, you've talked about a lot of the sci-fi stuff that you've yeah. read as a kid. And sci-fi I'm fantasy. Like, yeah. And I'm, don't think I really ever started reading fantasy until I got a little older. But I mean, my authors, I'm going to start with way, way back. The way that my mom got me to really start reading was reading R.L. Stein books in elementary school, Goosebumps specifically. Those books got me into scary stories. I mean, <laughs> I loved I loved scary stories to begin with, but not reading them. And R.L. Stein, who is a master of all different types of, of scary story writing, so good. And if any of you are aware, on Netflix, there are three movies. They are a series that all came out over this summer uh, for their Fear Street series. So good. Still but... haven't seen them. I need to. <laughs> yeah, that's something that maybe we could have a, a watch party or something where we can the two of us could watch it together. Even though we're far, far apart. I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for me, R.L. Stein was a big influencer on my my book tastes. He was the reason he was, I think, my first poster I had in my room. Wow. Not him. It was a book cover. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like fanboy moment. So what about the books really resonated with you? Was it specific topics, just the writing style? I mean, those books I know you can consume them so fast. I was more of an Animorphs kid, but I, I read some Goosebumps. You were also younger than me. Yeah. So Animorphs came around, came out more around your time and my sister's time in elementary school. I was already, I think, in middle school, going on high school at the time that Animorphs came out. So it kind of missed me. But with the Goosebumps books, they were interesting. The covers get you into it because the, the covers were kind of cartoony but also held something darker in them they were illustrated in such a way that made you go "Ooh, this could be really interesting and also hella creepy but only if you really think about it (laughs) so when i started reading them they were simple enough for a kid my age to get through and totally understand what needed to be needed to come across and then the just the subject matter that they brought out they were it was so fantastical and also still kept you on the edge of your seat as you're reading i went through those books like water i every time there was a new goosebumps book out my mom we would be walking through the supermarket and she'd be like oh you don't have this one right and i'm like ah, yay <laughs> <laughs> they it just it really got me reading I didn't really read a lot before then. My mom would read to me, like the Roald Dahl books, 
Indian in the Cupboard and uh, Fairy Rebel. Those books were ones that she would read to me. Oh, and Benicula, because Benicula is weird. <laughs> but Goosebumps really got me into reading, actually made me enjoy. And I, it's, it's something that I can't really put into words to explain why. It was just, it, it ignited, I think it, it, it spoke to the darker side of me that I knew was always there. <laughs> <laughs> the edgy side of Kelly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely like I was a, a an okay kid. I was very much, you know, I wasn't a star in any sense of the word. I wasn't super popular. I wasn't super outgoing. I also wasn't like a super academic. I was just kind of fair to middling through every aspect you can think of. And so reading these books was a way to escape. It was a way to kind of relate to these characters and and feel a camaraderie I didn't really have. I had a couple of friends, but I I just I loved I loved the Goosebumps books and then later the Fear Street books when those were more my age when I got to be a teen. Those were so good. You know, when I was growing up, my parents read to me all the time. Like that was our thing a lot of the stuff I had growing up was all like academic I, I did all those jumpstart video games and books and mm. played all those things so I wasn't really playing all the Sierra po- games absolutely yeah. yeah I wasn't playing the popular stuff and I wasn't really I didn't care about that I was like I am 100% gonna be playing uh jumpstart fourth grade right like this is awesome <laughs> <laughs> And that kind of carried over into the activities that we would do, which was a lot of reading. And I was punished as a kid by my parents taking away my light (laughs) because I would read too late into the night. I would consume books like they were going out of style. And I can't think of one thing that really triggered that, but... There were certain books that had a deep impact on me. And I got this from my dad because he used to have this very impressive library of sci-fi books that he had been collecting since he was a a wee lad back in the 70s and had continued on. Very impressive. The amount of times we moved and had to move his library, I just, it's a lot. Which is why as soon as he could digitize everything and get it all on e-readers, he 100% did. (laughs) But it was just a great experience to be able to walk in, look at this bookcase, pick out a book that had an interesting title or cover. I had no context. Often I would pick a book that was like fourth or fifth in a series. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to read it. It has a unicorn on it. I'm going to read it. (laughs) Sometimes that resulted in me reading things that I shouldn't have at the age that I was reading them. And my dad was great about that. He'd be like, oh, you read this. Do you have any questions? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So good times. But I was a kid that was known in school by the top of my head. I was very active in school and I raised my hand and I would participate, but I would spend a lot of my time reading. And my teachers knew if they called on me, I still had an answer. But there were some series and authors that I just would tear through. And the first one that comes to mind is Anne McCaffrey. She has such a way with world building that I visualize everything so clearly. She's most known for her Pern series with the dragons, dragon writers of Pern, the generations of characters and all the interplay that she has from the original space exploration to the many, many generations later, people literally have forgotten that they were colonists that were from a different planet. They they just, they're like, we've always been here and they just have legends. It's fabulous. But the series of hers that had the most impact on me was her talent series. So that was precogs, psychics, telekinetics, and the politics, the culture and civilization that is around psychics and having those be a well-known existing thing. 
their ability to communicate over vast distances faster than any telecommunication or satellite communication allows for space travel because otherwise it would be, you know, a month until you got a message, but they're able to communicate immediately. And you get to see this growth from this one character who is a very powerful psychic out of nowhere who has no upbringing, nothing. She doesn't understand society, doesn't really understand language. And you follow her picking up and learning everything. And Anne McCaffrey does such a good job of doing that where she creates a character that allows the reader to get a lesson on the world and you get to have everything unfold so naturally. And then of course her, her typical thing, it's generations of these and her characters are, have the interconnectivity. They are, you know, a character that was, a background character in the first two books becomes the main character five books later. And uh, I've wanted to be a psychic for a long time. When I was a kid, I was doing those things where you're just like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm actually psychic and uh, I can move things with my mind. Of course I'm, I was like a 12 year old doing this in recess, but she has such good science and really good research into these. The pros are amazing. And the characters are just so human and interesting. And I wouldn't even say they're flawed. I know that's something that people really look for. They're, they're real. So there's rea- the reactions are very in tune with the character that she's built. There's nothing that's really off the ch- off the wall and there's nothing that's so unbelievable and she just has these characters and then lets them interact and i cannot recommend that series enough it is fabulous but all of her books are just so fantastical and it gave me this avenue for imagination and fantasy in a sci-fi real world context, you know, so it, it connected those things to, huh, so maybe dragons exist, but they're actually wildlife on an alien planet, you know, or, hmm, maybe there could be somebody who's a princess, but actually she is the psychic leader who colonizes one of Jupiter's moons, you know? So (laughs) it's just a different context. And those, they've stayed with me. I have very few books that are actually paper, paper books. Everything else is digital like my dad. And those are some of them that I actually have. (laughs) The Rowan, Demia, Demia's Children. Ah, so good. I'm realizing now that Goosebumps was a scholastic book. So 100%, I probably would have gotten several of those from those scholastic book fairs we used to have in elementary oh, school. Man, oh my God, amazing. those were the jam. Why can't they have those for adults? That's a good idea. I know it's just a bookstore, but still, like, you just want to go in and be like, oh, and I want to order this one, and I want to order this one. Oh my God, scholastic book fairs were my jam. Oh, they were so good. Anyway, but the fact that you're talking about sci-fi, it actually leads right into my next, my next author. Because while R.L. Stein got me into reading scary stuff, which inevitably uh, inevitably turned to my mom giving me Dean Koontz books and I think the Andromeda Strain when I was a little older, those were more like terror books. Yeah. When I was in middle school in sixth grade, he was a science teacher and I don't remember why he was a science teacher assigning fiction books for this class. I do not have any recollection as to why that happened. But he he had us reading a book called Interstellar Pig by William Slater. Oh, and yes. that book was so weird and off the wall and is 100% sci-fi. And it was just such a bizarre little book i had never really read something that was so strange that everything starts off status quo 
normal. It's just this kid and his family on this vacation and staying in a house somewhere like off of the, the, like on a beach or something like that. And there's this little abandoned island out in the middle of the lake or something that he can see from his bedroom window. And he gets invited over to the next door neighbor's house, which has a couple of other people, all adults, that are sitting around playing this really intense war game called the Interstellar Pig. And they explain to this kid, oh, it's really cool. It's based off of this kind of like a a scavenger hunt. But you're playing this character that's traveling all throughout the galaxies trying to find where this interstellar pig has been hidden in order to win the big prize. So the kid starts playing the game with them. And everything seems cool. But slowly things start to get a little weird. (laughs) Things start shifting weirder and weirder and weirder until you finally find out, spoilers, that the people that he's playing with are actually aliens literally playing this scavenger hunt trying to find the interstellar pig where apparently the kid has actually figured out where it is and it's on the abandoned island (laughs) and like the transformation of these people into their alien forms is so weird and crazy god it's been forever since i've read this book and i still remember just reading this going what the hell is happening (laughs) it's just it's it got me into specifically it got me into william slater books which I later ended up reading The House of Stairs, which has affected me to this day. Because <laughs> that one is actually about kidnapping and classical conditioning. And then Singularity, about these twins vying for superiority, and then one of them stays in their dead uncle's or dead grandfather's shed, which apparently inside the shed, time moves faster than it does outside of it. So if you go into the shed for 24 hours and then come back out, like maybe 30 seconds has passed, something like that. It's really fascinating. There's one where they had the kid who reversed himself, who travels into different dimensions by doing a little weird dance. And then (laughs) when he's in that other dimension, if he turns around and then comes back into our dimension, he's reversed. He's literally a mirror image of himself. It's just, it's super interesting. The the concepts that are discussed in these books, it's again aimed at young adults. So nothing too graphic, nothing too intense. At least, well, the duplicate was really intense. Had to deal with potentially killing your doppelganger. That was really rough. But it was... It was a whole series, a whole genre that I hadn't even considered. Like I was into the, I was into R.L. Stein, Fear Street. I was into dark books, you know, scary stuff, raw. And then raw. <laughs> this, this book came along and completely turned my brain upside down. I had no idea I was into sci-fi, but apparently I'm into sci-fi now. So I got into that and that totally changed the books that I was reading. And at that point I was like, well, apparently I don't know what I'm into. So I started reading a lot more random stuff. Yeah. I think it's so interesting how the different accidental or like an assigned book or, you know, you pick it up at an airport or somebody mentions it at a dinner party. It, it has a, a lasting impact though. The way these books come into your life is just so interesting. Yeah. I mean, the books, you've you've told me about a few of those ones, Interstellar Pig and stuff, and I've just been like, okay, sounds sounds fun. I'm going to have to check them out, but they're... I mean, Interstellar Pig, I think, has been made into a film. I don't think it was a particularly good film or well-renowned film, but I would recommend reading the book because the book is more interesting, I think. I would say just try reading most of the stuff that he William Slater has written because... Yeah. His stuff is it just so like the, the whole house of stairs thing blew my mind. <laughs> well, I've had a few books that blew my mind. I don't know if you've read any of Piers Anthony's Xanth series. Nope. I mean, I have read a lot of the series, but he is such a prolific author 
that I cannot catch up. <laughs> like, there's just, there's so many. I've read, like, the first 35 or 40 books in the series, and there's, like, many more. So the lore of this is intense, but it's the idea of, you know, each of the planets is its own sentient entity, and Xanth is one of them that is the basically like a double of earth and it's been a little while since i've went deep into the lore so i could be totally off on these things but it's where all the mystical stuff happens so that's where people are able to cast magic there's uh, magical creatures like chameleons and salamanders and pegasus rocks and each of his books had like a interesting name Sometimes they were a pun, like between a rock and a hard place, but, you know, it's a Thunderbird rock, a nightmare, and it's literally about a, a mare that is made of night. <laughs> so there's like, they were really strange, but they were really interesting and they were so fun to read. I I would like consume one of those in a day you just you read it really fast because it was very easy prose very fun concepts and like the characters were you you just wanted them to succeed or fail there was a few you're just like i want you to i want you to crash and burn but they they had really interesting ways of doing these and they're very silly they had kind of that silliness that you get with the now i'm totally blanking what they're called <sighs> myth ink the myth ink books yeah so they have a, a similar kind of interesting energy <laughs> and kind of tongue-in-cheek side of things like the myth ink books from robert Asprin, but they were a little different but reason why i bring up Piers anthony isn't just because of xanth because his stuff is like awesome but he has a huge variety of books. Like I've already kind of mentioned that he is a very prolific author to the point where I have never read all of his books. And there's a lot of those that are for regular consumption and a few that are a little more adventurous. <laughs> he has a, a tarot series that's really interesting, probably for, you know, 18 plus and the bio of a space tyrant, which was one of the most influential series that I read, partially because I read them when I was 13, which my dad wasn't really happy about. <laughs> but they follow one character through all of the phases of his life as he gradually becomes a space tyrant from the point where he was a refugee with no, no recourse. Then he was a mercenary. Then he was a politician. Then he was an executive. Then he was a statesman. And so he, he went through all these different stages and it's the same person and the same cast of characters going through very different stages of his life and you could pick up any of them at any point. They're written so well that you could read number four and you don't have context of what brought him there, but it's a very interesting dissection of his, his thought processes at that stage of life. But when you read them all in their entirety, they're very different, but they are explicit and detailed. So <laughs> that was a great education for me as a, a 13 year old. But they have stuck with me because of that progression of character growth. And a lot of times when I read a book, it's even if it's in a series, like the main character of that time frame is like a happily ever after, you know, like you, you, it's done. They don't go beyond that little portion. And this one showed so much evolution of one character. It blew my mind. Still, still blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think both R.L. Stein and William Slater showed me that books don't have to have a happy ending in order to still be good. 
Mm-hmm. Like one of the Goosebumps books that I read ended on a really what the fuck kind of moment where you find out that this one character is actually a comic book character because he, he slices himself open by accident and sees that he's not bleeding red. He's bleeding like ink. Oh, dang. Like multicolored, multicolored ink. And that's how the book ends. And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> oh, dang. So that was that was kind of cool. And then the whole House of Stairs ending warped my mind. Again, House of Stairs, highly recommend. Totally cool and will mess you up. Just casually. But, it's It will impact you deeply. It, it impacted me deeply in the sense that I had never considered what classical conditioning was. I was too young to understand what it was. And then later on when I took psychology classes in high school and college, I was like, oh, that's what it's called. Have you ever read this book, professor? Because <laughs> it talks about that stuff. It actually shows you what happens. And they're like, I don't read sci-fi. I'm like, well, screw you too. Bye bye. <laughs> so it, it is interesting yeah. how this stuff really it formed my education. The the th- the topics that would be brought up, and then I would be in class, and they would mention something, and I'm like, oh yeah, this. And the teacher's like, I'm moderately concerned that you already know this. I'm like, why are you concerned? I'm just a precocious and curious person who self-educates. Also, I read a lot of these books. In addition to, you know, reading the dime store romance novels and (laughs) all of those things. Which I have to say, romance novels, historical romance novels in particular, that have accurate depictions of things, they spoiled me. When it came to historical accuracy, because some of these people, I'm like, okay, this is a romance about a harem, but I am learning so much. (laughs) Why is this so educational? (laughs) Or I learned a ton about the early 1800s because I read all of the Bridgerton series, which is now the show on... Netflix. I mean, Julia Quinn is a, a also a very prolific author, has a lot of these different books out there. But yeah, she has the whole, all, all those. And I, I learned a bunch about the time period and how the different classes r- viewed things that were going on and the Napoleonic War. I got that trivia question right because of <laughs> a random romance novel. <laughs> It's it's very interesting with those different ones. And I mean, thinking about the other the other stuff, narrowing this down to one other book author God, know, that right? really stuck with me was very hard because the other two were sci-fi fantasy kind of mix. They were both book authors that I got from my dad that I just really resonated with. A lot of these other ones were ones that I had found on my own because my favorite thing to do was go to a bookstore and you just, when you step in the door and you take that deep breath and all you just, you smell the books. Oh man, like that was immediate, just all of the stress, whoosh, gone. And I would spend hours looking at books and then I would come up and be like, okay, I'm going to buy these two or three. And for years, my friends just got me gift cards to bookstores. <laughs> uh, I was like, that's good. You know me. Great. But I mean, I read Tamara Pierce. I read Mercedes Lackey. I read all of these other ones that are, are you know, very popular young adult fantasy books series. But the one that I read that really stuck with me and formed a lot of my worldview is actually David Edding's books. It's the Belgrade and the Malorian. The main character for all of these is Polgara. She's a sorceress. We have, you you read the whole series and she's just kind of the, the supporting character, the aunt of the hero, very distant, like many generations removed aunt, but still the aunt of the hero raises him. And then you read her book and that book is like, I have two copies of it. I have read so many of the, this book so many times that the covers of both of them are falling apart. 
And they are just my favorite books because of the style of magic, the world building, the gods, how the gods interact with people, the exploration of traditional fantasy tropes and the different characters and how they have the subversion of the villains and they humanize those characters. They show that a lot of the things that go wrong are not because of like actual ill intent, but because people are just content with doing stuff the same way they have for a while until they literally forget why they had to do that. And then it becomes a tradition that is immovable and rigid and that becomes a problem but the people who originally had that tradition who built that thing wouldn't have been as rigid but when they go down many generations they forget the actual core and all they have is the rituals that they follow and so it just changed my view on religion on politics on monarchies for a long time there, I was one of those kids who was like, I want to be swept off my feet by a knight. I want a time traveling Highlander. Like I wanted one of those fun things. And this book series really, really like just ground home that, nope, what I really want is a humble blacksmith. (laughs) (laughs) That has been reiterated by numerous versions of blacksmiths in media Orlando Bloom has been a blacksmith twice that I have been obsessed with, Kingdom of Heaven and Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, my God. But (laughs) that whole thing was I was like, you know what? I don't want the big hero. I don't want that. I want the capable, strong, no-nonsense guy. And that totally changed what I was looking for because I had that like high fantasy oh my gosh it's gonna be this amazing thing and he's gonna be a prince and I'm gonna da 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 no it's silly I want a blacksmith who can make me pretty things and then I can cook him food and we can slowly grow fat together and be very happy (laughs) (laughs) I love that Oh, that's so cool. Now I'm going to have to go reread Polgara the Sorceress because that, like, oh, and she makes me think of you because she has a single white streak in her hair. The gray streak, yeah. Yeah. I I think you've mentioned that, yeah, once or twice before. Probably. When you showed me the cover. Yeah. um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Polgara. Yeah, I was looking at it going, oh, yeah, I could totally rock that. I love my gray streak. (laughs) No one's ever, ever taking my gray streak away until, you know, the whole head is gray. (laughs) <laughs> I guess it's just it. Well, the the last author that I have for authors that influenced me is Loria Notaro. But the one book that drew me in was it drew me in because of the title and then kept me around because of what she wrote. The title of the book was Idiot Girls Action Adventure Club. <laughs> and so Lori Nataro was actually a really fascinating person. She she got her start. She was a humor columnist in Phoenix, Arizona. And she would write about her own life. Her life, her family, her friends. And she would talk about humorous things that happened to her or that she did, or that her family did. And they were, God, the columns are hilarious. The only reason I know that is because those columns are what she ended up including in these books. She has a whole series of books where she just collected her favorite columns together into these books. And so they are hilarious. I... At one point I was reading, I don't remember which one, because the the titles of her books are amazing. You've got Idiot Girls Action Adventure Club, Autobiography of a Fat Bride, We Thought You'd Be Prettier. Oh, jeez, no. Yeah. I Love Everyone and Other Atrocious Lies. So, like, she's 
she's hilarious and she's actually written a couple novels too my favorite being spooky little girl but her her books got me really into thinking about like humor humor writing how situations can go wildly out of control before you even recognize that it's happened one of my favorite stories she's written was about her she was visiting a friend in california and she brought along her favorite brown corduroy pants those corduroy pants that would be with her no matter if she's on a light day or a heavy day they would stretch with her they would give and they would always fit she'd had them for years and years and years and her friend is like we're gonna go out to a botanical garden today so let's get ready to go out and do this and she's the friend is dressed to the nines like in a beautiful blouse with pearls and just looking like she's going to be attending like a cocktail party or something afterwards with like a senator and there's Lori Nataro getting ready to don her basic corduroy pants whatever and she's doing her lunges like squats in the pants to get them you know stretched out because they had just been washed get them ready for the day and as she's doing these squats she hears a pop oh no and suddenly the room is filled with these like dark gnats these little bugs that are flying all around her and she goes i don't know what happened did something blow up what happened and then she looks down and she had ripped her favorite corduroy pants against the seam like against the grain of the fabric they oh had just loaded off of her <laughs> oh my gosh and she's like, these are the only pants, pants that I've even brought on this trip. They're my favorite pair. They go with everything. What am I going to do? <laughs> so I think they get her some overalls. And they're a wildly differently dressed couple as they're going to this, this botanical garden. Oh, God. And it just gets, it's get, it gets funnier and funnier and funnier from there. It is absolutely hilarious the way she weaves these stories so good that when I was reading one of the books and I had just finished reading one of the sections that made me laugh so hard I I was like I should share this with people people need to know how funny this woman is so I took the book my mom and I were at a salon one of the fancy ones and we were sitting in the waiting room waiting for one of us to either get her hair done or a massage or something. I don't remember. But we're sitting there and there's a couple people around us. And I hand her the book and I say, here, I want you to read this passage. It's only a couple pages long, but I think you would enjoy it. She's reading it. And I can see her shoulders start going <laughs> up and down. <laughs> and I can see her face starting to turn red. And she starts really laughing she gets so into it as she's turning the pages and she's laughing harder and harder and louder and louder and people are starting to look at us and i'm just sitting there going oh she loves it she's enjoying it this is great i wanted to share something with her and yay i did a good thing right she's laughing so hard she's got a couple of tears coming out of her face and when she finishes the section she goes <laughs> and hands the book back to me and goes don't ever do that to me again <laughs> she was so upset at me for making her laugh that hard in public and I'm like but it was funny did you enjoyed it right she's like I'm not going to talk about this until we get home and I'm like ow spoiled sport it's it's such she's got such a way with words she's actually we were reading a passage out loud to a friend of mine and as we were reading it, it made this girl laugh so hard, she went into an asthma attack. Oh, God. Like we had to get her in her inhaler because she was laughing so hard she could not breathe. This is this woman is hilarious. Highly recommend everything that she's written. And she's written so much. She, I think she now lives in the Pacific Northwest. She moved there with her husband and dogs. So her... her location that she writes about now is vastly different than what she used to write about but oh my god she's so funny 
And because of her, I got, I've gotten way more into reading humor. Humor. And I've actually gotten into writing humor. I, I wrote six episodes of a sitcom script that I think would make a lot of my, the people that I, I look up to proud. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. But it makes me think about comedic timing. It makes me think about how to weave the story in such a way that the humor is not only a natural progression, but also almost unexpected and catches you off guard to make it even more funny. I love that. Yeah. I thought of something else that the Polgara series did to me. One of the things that was so impactful with the book David Edding's book is the style of magic that Polgara used was something that you had to visualize it and then create it upon yourself. And for a long time, I would think about, okay, what do I want to be? What do I want myself to be? What, how do I want to appear? How do I want others to perceive me? All of those different pieces of just like, what, what do I want to craft as Mm -hmm. Michelle? And I paused about five years ago during an friendly like debate that had a little bit of the, you know, snarky comebacks and just going back and forth. A lot of that little banter. So much fun. And I kind of paused and I was like, I am the person that I wanted to be. When I was 16 years old and I thought about what I wanted myself to be like, I, I'm that person now. I was just like so, so happy that the magic of Polkara had, had been fulfilled. <laughs> oh, wow. That's awesome. Now I want to be a different person, but I hit my 16-year-old self's dream, so I can do it again. Huzzah! <laughs> yeah, I, I, need to, I need to get on that, to be honest. <laughs> I need to visualize what I want. I'm starting to. Yeah. Know, with, with my books being published and with the podcast going on, like I'm starting to become a little bit more of who I wanted to be. I wanted to be this in my 20s, let's be fair, not yep. in my, my almost 40s, but it, at least it's happening. So that's yeah. a good thing. 100%. These novels, these authors, they're just amazing. I... If I could meet them, I would love to just meet them. And like finding out that R.L. Stein was on the set of the first Fear Street movie made me geek out a little bit because I'm like, imagine if I was actually there making that film with all of these people and there is R.L. Stein, <laughs> the guy I... that influenced my, my almost my entire book collection as a child like seeing him right there and going, huh? Oh my God, you're him. (laughs) You know, that's one of the things I think about where like, I don't want to meet them at like a, a meet and greet kind of, you know, thing where they are this fantastic other that is kind of like on a pedestal lifted up high. I want to meet them at like a casual dinner party where we can just talk about their ideas and other cool things. Yeah. yeah. Just be like, yeah, this is like, we ha- we have these things in common and you know, you impacted me with this stuff and you know, did you intend for this to have this meaning? <laughs> you want to meet them in the wild. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't, I don't yeah. want to, because there, there's kind of a, a removal that goes in if you are meeting them at these, like, a convention or a writer's conference or something, which I would also love to do. I wouldn't say yes. no, but yeah. I, I just, I think my dream would be to just meet them and just have a, a chat and, you know, be like, hey, yeah, 
I can have some casual chit chat. Let's 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 go over this stuff. <laughs> yeah, it would be oh my god. It would be such an amazing thing, I think, if if for one, if I ever get to go to one of these book cons that I'm learning about now, I did not know that they were a thing. How I, the hell did I not know this? I um, don't know. I knew they were a thing I, because Piers Anthony and Anne McCaffrey would often go to them. And right. I'd be like, oh, I want to go. <laughs> but like if if for whatever reason I end up being a, a, one of the featured authors there, I would love to just randomly pass by one of these these authors that I love to be like, oh, my God. Hey, hi, I love your books. You're awesome. Can we sit and talk and see if what like see what we're doing? Like, I would love to just have a chat. Yeah, you know, I think that would be awesome to like have like a dinner or something and randomly be seated next to one of them and be like, oh, <gasps> right? just, like my husband and I were watching a a hot ones on YouTube the other night uh-huh. with Elijah Wood. Uh huh. And he was talking about when he was doing a movie with Nicolas Cage. And there were moments when he was sitting at this table across from him. They were like eating food in the scene. And he had an out-of-body experience going like, oh my god, I'm actually here. I'm sitting across from Nick Cage. That's that's Nick Cage. Everything that he's doing, it's just like Nick Cage. Because that's Nick Cage. And I'm like, I love when famous people geek out about other famous people. Because it's something so natural. Yeah. And I would love to be one of those people to be like, oh my god, I'm a huge fan of yours, and have them randomly come back at me going like, oh, I'm a fan of yours too. And I'd be like, <laughs> because I wouldn't be able to speak anymore. I would love that. Oh, I want it. Yeah. Why can't it just One day. One day. <laughs> it's it's And you and happen. I, we talk about we talk about the the books that we are in the in the current process of writing about what they would be like when hopefully they eventually get optioned to be films or miniseries mm-hmm. and who we would cast and just the ability to be on the set and witness it happening even if i don't have as much creative input to the filming and everything as as i would like as i would really like but like just to be there and and see it that's one of the favorite things that's one of the things that i absolutely loved when i was in college as a theater major is i was the person backstage literally watching everything come together before it goes on stage in front of the audience i love that shit i live for that kind of shit mm-hmm. so being on a movie set or a tv set tv show set something like that and just watching the thing that I conceptualized become a reality, that would be a 100% number one dream come true and I could die the next day. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I won't. I got to make that money. But yeah, like I would, I would be so happy. I would just be sitting there constantly crying with a big old smile on my face. And people would be wondering what the fuck is up with that crazy chick in the corner. And be like, oh no, she wrote this. She's just, you know, having a moment. And I'd be like, <laughs> I'm so fucking happy. <laughs> I got off the rails. I apologize. No, I just, I think it's one of the things that's so interesting about books and reading them now versus when I was a kid. And mm. how I interpret things now it I have such a deeper appreciation for the idea behind something, the execution of a very well written uh, line of dialogue, the mm-hmm. the the thought process that goes into these things has a much more impact impactful effect on me now than it did when I was a kid before I was just like I just want to be entertained and distracted and read some really good stuff right now uh, <laughs> I don't care <laughs> I, I was really good in English class but I did not like English class and so I, I just I think about those things where I'm like oh because I read so much I now have a very broad 
a lot to pull from. I have a very broad area to pull from that I can be, what is that? What am I looking for? What is the word I'm looking for? Very broad examples. You have a broad repertoire? Yeah, a broad repertoire that I can pull from that I have as, you know, my, my understanding, my interest and comparing these things. So I'm very rarely surprised by media because basically everything's already been done, but there's always a slight different nuance, um, a different take on it, somebody else's vision. And that has so much value because each person is different. And I know that sometimes people will be discouraging because they're like, what, what are you going to say that somebody else hasn't said? Like, what makes you think that you could be the next, I don't know, Kurt Vonnegut? Don't do that shit. (laughs) Don't tell people that. Just let them write because individual experience adds that nuance and flavor. And that's what I look for now. I'm not looking for just a story that's well-written. I'm looking for somebody's take on the world, some insight, some interpretation of reality, because I love when art represents reality in a different way. Like my favorite form of comedy, comedians are always the ones who are doing just real world commentary and are doing such a good job of framing stuff that I think of as totally ordinary. But when they frame it and talk about it, you're just like, oh my gosh, yes, that is absolutely a thing. Thank you so much for saying that. It made me think about it differently. And that's what I look for in all of my content and media these days, but especially in my books. Yeah. I, oh man. So essentially, a lot of the stuff that I read, I I read it to, you know, I read it to escape the world that I'm in, you know, to go to some place that I haven't thought about going before. I read such a random variety of, of different kinds of novels. Like I read, I read romance novels. I read, like I've said before, World War Z is one of the best novels I have ever read because it's just it's completely different from anything else that I've ever read and probably will ever read because I don't know that I'm really into the I don't really know that I'm super into the zombie genre as far as a book experience I like the films and then as far as like the anecdotal evidentiary style of the book as well it's Mm -hmm. just it was interesting because it was the two married together and that was not something that I had seen before and something that stuck with me. And it was told in such a way that it made me picture myself in each of those situations. How would I deal with something like this? And would I react the same way that these people reacted or would I be one of the dead? And hundred percent, I'd definitely be one of the dead because I am incapable of doing anything. (laughs) you are very capable you are but not survival no 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 (laughs) (laughs) i i have the basics of a lot of different components with survival but i've never committed fully into becoming proficient like i can forage in most regions i'm not very knowledgeable of the region i currently live in i'm great like i could survive in california parts of utah even arizona but i florida i'm like i'm probably gonna get dysentery and eaten by a crocodile it's great i mean you know exactly what's going to happen to me i don't (laughs) eat greens (laughs) foraging i would die (laughs) like i i i don't eat i don't eat plants basically i eat fruit but i kind of have to be in the mood and then also like i'm a meat eater but I don't like cruelty against animals, so I would never be able to hunt and kill the things that I need to eat. I would starve to death if I wasn't just outright killed. Yeah. Just stop me yapping. (laughs) I guess I'd be yapping. You know I would. Yep. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be the one that they'd put, you know, right at the bottom of the grave. I'm the first one dead. Yeah, if I didn't die from 
some random thing killing me, it would definitely be just like, can somebody please shut her up? <laughs> she keeps complaining and she won't do anything to help herself. That's right. That's me. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> I know oh. myself. I accept it. <laughs> oh, but I, I just, I really do like going over these books and kind of a refresher. It, it's been a little while since I've actually sat down and read. I, I run through so much fan fiction. Like, yeah. holy shit. So much. All the time. <laughs> but, and I, I read novel length stories all the time. But I haven't really read too many books. I have read a few recently, but not a ton. And so it's it's always nice to go back and kind of remember the other stuff that I've, I've read that got me where I am. So I love yeah, this stuff. I and mean, I would be curious to hear what other people are reading or what other people felt was a formative author or book genre, just anything that really resonated with them. I'd, I'd love to hear that from the, from the listeners. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you want us to talk about. It's great to discuss all of this information. If there is anything that you want to discuss with us, with, 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 with <laughs> if there's any topics that you want to discuss with us or you want us to discuss, if there's any information that you want to add to the topics that we have already covered, please let us know. Catch us at the Twitter handle at chronic underscore media, or you can contact us via chronic media consumption at gmail.com. Absolutely. We're available and specific- for almost anything. And specifically for this episode, if you end up reading any of the books or series that we have mentioned, we would love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. If you if you have any other recommendations or books that impacted you in this way that have really stayed with you for years and years, also we would love to hear that. I'm always looking to expand my, you know, reading list, <laughs> to be read list, which is already Never Very ending. big. Never ending. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly has added quite a few to it just from this. So <laughs> I'm going to be checking them out and definitely look forward to any others, that, any other gems that you guys can recommend. And I'm also going to do a shameless self plug here. If you guys are into erotica, I write erotica. It's It's good. it's available on amazon michelle has helped me write a bunch of these and she has also designed the covers so if you are interested in reading erotica i have two books out at the moment they're by aurora reese i have ruby lips which is part one of three of the lustful vampire series and i have winter break which is part of the gpa or grades of passion anthology so that will also be an ongoing series i'm currently writing one for that series right now they are spicy they are not meant for anyone under the age of 18 warning 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 do not read if you are under the age of 18 i've said enough go read it (laughs) go buy it yes and as a fan of these i will say it she she doesn't shy away from the spice from the (laughs) get-go yeah she dives right in (laughs) yeah yeah i do it's a new thing i haven't really done this before they've only been writing for a little under a year i've been writing forever but i have only been publishing for a little under a year i mean it's good just nobody knows who the hell i am so (laughs) if you have kindle unlimited my books are free just a heads up so you don't actually have to pay anything to read my books huzzah (laughs) anyway Awesome. We got through a lot of stuff, a lot of random back and forth, a lot of random all over the place. Yeah. As we usually do. Because, I mean, we're we're like ladies in tangents, for real. You start on a topic and then suddenly you're at dinosaurs. But you were talking (laughs) about breast cancer for some reason and you get onto dinosaurs. How? I don't know. We We are the living versions of the Wikipedia game. The endless oh, Wikipedia yeah. game. We could also just call ourselves ADHD plus. <laughs> or as we've recently dubbed ourselves, the media trash pandas. Yes. Media trash pandas. Logo's <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> and believe you guys, they're adorable. They're going to be amazing. I can't wait for when, us to, when we start merch. I yeah. really cannot wait. It's going to be awesome. When we finally start merch. Awesome. Awesome. It'll be fun. 
Okay. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. We hope that you continue joining us in two weeks. Our next coming topics are going to be exploring different areas, different forms of media, and really trying to cover the whole gambit. So there's going to be a lot for you to hear. For now, I am Kelly. And I'm still Michelle. Thank you for listening to Chronic Media Consumption. (laughs) We will talk to you in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening and (laughs) bye-bye!